Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. So I was actually going to start a new sermon series, but the more I thought about the armor of God and how it flows in to prayer, I thought, although prayer isn't really specifically an armor, he flows, he flows right into it, and I figured it wouldn't be right to end this series without talking about prayer. Because look, look what he says. This is the end of the passage on the armor of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, boom, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, another name for prayers, right, for all the saints, that would be you guys, right, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, you know, I read this, and what jumps out at me, so it's, you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. So you got this, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, praying in the spirit. So let's say somebody came up to you and they're like, hey, um, how do you pray in the spirit? Right? Now, some Pentecostals may go, oh, that's speaking in tongues. But I think it's got to be more than that because Paul has this question, do all speak in tongues? You know, so I think, I think there's something more to praying in the spirit. What would you say if somebody asked you, like, what is it? To pray in the spirit. How would you even begin to answer that question? So I want to actually answer the question, hopefully, today. What does it mean to pray in the spirit? And then I want to talk a little bit about how do we pray? What are some of the elements to kind of connecting with God in prayer? And when I think about praying in the spirit, I have to begin with the Holy Spirit. And when I grew up, I learned about Jesus dying for us and Jesus gave his life for us, but I never was taught that the Spirit wanted to live in me and through me. The Bible will say things like, Christ lives in your heart by faith, or you are filled with the Spirit. You know, where Jesus is, the Spirit is, the Father is, explain that to your children, right? But, But somehow, this is the connection. I remember at confirmation, you know how I make the kids get up and talk a little bit? All I had to do was answer one question from the catechism. And this is, this is like um, years ago, little Doug. Doug, what is the Holy Spirit? I had a three-by-five card. They didn't trust me to actually remember it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. My parents were like, whew, <laughs> sit down. Don't say any more. You know, like, well, what, you know, that doesn't answer much, does it? No, it doesn't. So, so somehow you're supposed to pray in the Spirit. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I remember some years ago, it was in, I think, 1995, we came into town. We lived in Pittsburgh, and we are at my parents' house. And a news broadcast comes up on the screen and it was about a, a woman who was part of this cult, and they did all this stuff. I redacted the uh, thing because the person is not in prison any longer and is forgiven and it's moved. But, but I saw the mugshot on the television, 
And this was something that had taken place in Columbus. And I said to Gretchen, I go, Gretchen, that's the gal from the Christian Fellowship when I used to work on the campus, that campus in Columbus. She's like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. And, and I just was burdened to pray for her. It was like the spirit fell upon, the spirit of prayer just fell upon me. And I started praying for her. I went into a bedroom and I was just interceding for her and this burden didn't lift for a while. As I was praying, somehow I had this thought like, you're praying that she would not take her life. And so I looked her up, took a while, found where she was, incarcerated and started like writing. And we wrote for quite a while. Uh, and I asked her, you know, were you suicidal? And she said, yes. And I think praying in the Spirit, sometimes the Spirit just puts things upon us, even from a distance, to pray for somebody. And we may, we may not even know, but we're, we're lifting it up in prayer. I think praying in the Spirit can also look like this. This is a, a letter. Years ago, I bought a house in Berea, still living in it, and I bought it from a pastor. And uh, he had actually, I, I think he used to work at Grace Church, and then he planted a church that met at Lutheran West for a while, and then he started another church in Strongsville, and then he got lung cancer. And he wrote a letter to his church, and I got copied on it, and he said, I long to share my thoughts with you as I have in my heart. I owe a huge debt of gratefulness for your kindness to me and my family. I really can't imagine anyone having more a more compassionate church than I have. To update you on my condition, I had two very rough nights after coming home from the hospital, painful coughing, fearful episodes that were unnerving. He had lung cancer and had its surgery. I got through them each day. Since I've grown a little stronger, the incision seems to be healing. We look at chemo treatments once uh, every three weeks, starting Thursday. Spiritually, the Lord's been very close to me, and I'm enjoying great fellowship with him hour by hour. Even times of singing praise songs and hymns in my head at night. You know, with his, he probably didn't want to wake his wife, and with the lung cancer, might not sing so well out loud. He goes, what a God of grace. Cards, calls, visits, prayers, meals, trips to the pharmacy, etc., have all reinforced the love of God to me. I hope that in some way my suffering will advance the cause of the gospel to those who don't know him. Going through a life crisis like this without Jesus as your best friend to me is inconceivable. I've always loved the line from the old A.B. Simpson hymn, Once I sought for healing now himself alone. Isn't that interesting? Once he, so here he is. He did die from this cancer not too long after this letter. Once I sought for healing, here he is. I believe praying in the spirit is when you, he says, still want healing, right? I, I still seek healing, but just the joy of knowing Jesus intimately is wonderful. I believe the spirit bursts that in our heart. When we say yes there are things I want, but in the midst of this, Lord, you're with me, you love me, and I want to know you even more. I thought of that. I sent this to a friend. That's why the picture's not so bad. It was from a book I was reading. And he talks about this section of scripture and says, Paul understood 
that he was not merely a Roman prisoner, he was far more profoundly a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Can you say that about your unanswered prayers? That you are sick for Jesus Christ, unemployed for Christ Jesus, bereaved for Christ Jesus, alone for Christ Jesus, broken for Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean you can't pray to be healed for a job, a spouse, of course, but it does impact profoundly how you respond when God doesn't seem to answer your prayers. The problem is not with your lack of faith or God's lack of power. It is that God has chosen a different path of growth and sanctification for you, your life right now. It's a call to trust in weakness and brokenness in the God who is your strength and faithfulness. Praying in the Spirit gives you a means to tackle challenges of, of that lonely, disconsolate path because as you pray, you're reminded that you never walk alone and that your pathway, that your pathway, sorry, it's very dark, walk alone, that pathway alone, God by his spirit always walks with you. God, part of praying in the spirit is, Lord, I'm in the midst of this difficult, perplexing situation, but you're here with me. You're here with me. Sometimes in these situations, the scriptures say that we actually groan. It says that creation groans and that we groan. Sometimes you don't have words and you just groan it out to God in the midst of it. I remember kind of groaning years ago. I was in, uh, in England during college and it was 1983 and my grandmother was dying of cancer and I remember leaving the bedroom that was upstairs and kind of tiptoeing down the stairs past the dogs and their landmines and then onto the couch and just praying for my grandmother. And then this thought came to me, you know, there's this time difference. I could be praying for my grandmother who's dead. And I started crying, going, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to pray. And this voice, not audible, comes into my head, she's with me. And the next day I get a telegram from my dad, a telegram that's before text. And, and the guy delivers it and it says, Grandma went home to be with Jesus. I think it was praying in the spirit. The spirit communicates time, sometimes like that. Praying in the spirit can look like that. And, you know, it says that we have the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, and we are to pray at all times in the spirit. And can I say that scripture and praying in the spirit are intimately connected? Sometimes when you have these meetings with God or you get words with God, people have really gone off track. They, their imagination in the presence of God and people get really weird. I remember reading about a guy who was somehow transported to the heavenlies and he heard music that was so beautiful, heavenly music. And he made it his life's goal to reproduce that music in a symphony. But he also lost his family because he neglected them, he lost his health, became homeless. I mean, it was all about recreating this music that he had heard. And I don't think God would give you a picture of music if he, didn't want it, if he wanted you to worship it. The music was worshiping him like we get off track many times. And when you don't know how to pray, pray scripture. 
You'll hear me pray many times from Psalm 23, Lord, lead them, lead us in paths that are right for your name's sake. I remember one time I got a call from a buddy, no, from his mom, and they, she wanted me to go visit her husband, and she basically told me he's dying and he's going to die. He had this back wound that wouldn't heal. He had all kinds of trouble. Come, he's dying, you know, like, like last rites kind of thing. So I'm like, Lord, can you give me a scripture, you know? So I get there and feel like the Lord's given me a scripture, and I glance at it, and it was this one. Blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble, and the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. Uh, You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. Now look at this. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. And I'm like, Lord, I think you gave me this, but I am not reading this one. This dude is dying. Don't you know that, Lord? He's dying. So I read some other one next to it. Guess what? He didn't die. He got better and went home. Oh, ye of little faith. So if the Lord gives you a scripture to pray over somebody, just do it in faith, right? Because even if he had died, he would be in full health in heaven. Like the Lord knows what he's doing. And when we don't know what to do, it's always good. Pray scripture back to God. It's the sword of the spirit. Pray it over other people. God, when you don't know how to pray, pray scripture. And I think a good way to pray or a way that let me encourage you to pray is to let go, to praise and adore and meditate. Now, these don't have to happen in this order, but I'm going to present them in this order. You can do, do it however you want or however the Lord leads. But it seems like these are three components of Prayer And what do I mean by uh, letting go? Well, Jesus, who, if you would say, who doesn't need to pray? Probably God in flesh, right? But Jesus, when he walked this earth, the fully man, fully God, it says, when news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He, he went away. He let go of all the people that are seeking him and wanting healing and wanting bread, you know, whatever they wanted. He's like, no, I need also to spend time with the Father. And if he needed it, how much more do we need it, right? Henry Nouwen writes this. He says, if there's any focus that the Christian leaders I'm sorry, that the Christian leader of the future will need. It is the discipline of dwelling in the presence of the one who keeps asking us, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Remember when he reinstated Peter? I talked about it a little bit last week. He asked him three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know that we like to say, I believe in Jesus or Jesus is Lord, but we will do what we love. We will do what we love. How you spend your time, your money, your thoughts will always be on what you love. And you may say, I love Jesus, but do you or do we? And so Nowen is saying that when we sit in the presence of God and he asks us those questions, it's almost like, like braces for our heart, you know, orthodontic. It straightens things out. Wait, 
you know, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It is through the discipline of contemplative prayer, through contemplative prayer that we can keep ourselves from being pulled from one urgent issue to another and becoming strangers to our own and to God's heart. So prayer is just powerful. And I think we begin our prayer by casting our anxieties on him because he cares for you. You ever go try to pray and, oh my goodness, all these thoughts, right, just come rushing in. And and it's hard to keep them back. I mean, you have thoughts about control, thoughts about your failures, thoughts about your successes. Sometimes successes are harder than failures, right? Because if you have something that's successful, what do you have? You have to reproduce it, or who are you, right? Like if you just got like a base hit, fine. But you hit a home run, what are they expecting next time, right? Better hit another home run. You know, and so here we are trying to pray and all these thoughts, these hopes, these dreams, these worries, our guilt, our shame, our problems, our relationships, the perplexing life situations, your health, the health of those you love, your friendship, your finances. I mean, you try to pray and I don't know about you, but they all come at me. Your, your hurts, your, your, the, how about this? How successful will your prayer time be, right? And you have to just like give it up. Lord, I'm not here for results. I'm just here for you, right? You have to like open your hands and relinquish into God's hands your selfish ambitions to be greater or to be admired, to be richer or more powerful, even more of a saint or more influential. Like somehow we come to God and we're like, Lord, here we are. You know, we can talk to our soul, right? The Bible says, why so downcast, oh, my soul? I think it's important when we have, when we're trying to pray, to become an observer and an inquisitor of all these things that come upon us, right? We don't have to suppress them. We can go, oh, look, there's worry. Oh, look, there's anxiety. What is it about? Here it is, Lord, right? Oh, There's the past that's impinging on now. What is that about? Oh, here it is, Lord. Oh, there's the future. Do you see what I'm saying? As opposed to trying to shove them away, you can just realize them, acknowledge them, and say, here it is, Lord. You care for me, so you care more about these things that are coming into my mind than you do. And I think somewhere in there, Many times, not always, but a settled peace comes in. This settled, this settled peace that passes understanding. And I think somewhere in there, you may be led to start worshiping. Like, like you forget about that stuff, and all of a sudden you're with God and God alone. As Ken said in his letter, it wasn't just healing. I, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the Lord. And you start worshiping maybe a song bubbles up in your heart, maybe a hymn, or maybe you just press a button on some player and, or on your phone, and you just start worshiping something about God. It captures your heart, and, and you start worshiping. You know, I put on, um, at my mother-in-law's, you ever seen those Gaither gatherings? Maybe old people do. They, they gather a bunch of old people and a few young, and they sing old songs, and I remember this one guy got up there, and I'm sure he's famous in some circles, but I don't know who he is, but he was blind, and he starts singing this song, and it was beautiful, 
And, uh, and then he stops, and they clapped, and then it just kind of bubbled up in the room. And all these people who are gathered around, they were all like musicians in their own, you know, in their own, on their own. They just start truly worshiping. It's like the moment happened, and they just start singing that song from their heart. And, and this is what can happen. As you're there, you start going like, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I remember climbing the mountain, which some people from church are going to climb, and I get up to the top, and I am singing, shout it. I'm going to scream it from the mountains. I'm going to, you know, and I, and, I, and I recorded this panoramic view as I'm singing, and then I played it back to myself later and thought, you sound horrible. <laughs> so uh, Instagram, is that not in there? Is the Instagram thing not in there? Oh, there it is. I'm in this, but you can't hear me. I made the music loud. You just look around, and it's so beautiful. Haven't you been there where you, maybe you just go outside or somewhere, and you just get captured? And it's like you have to worship, Right? You, you're, you're in awe, and it just has to come out. Um, there we go. So Dio Moody, his church burned down in the great Chicago fire, and he went to New York to finance it. And he says, one day in New York City, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. Uh, it is almost too sacred experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. You know, somehow the reality and the love of God was so big for him in that moment. He's like, Lord, I, I, I'm full. Like, I can't take any, any more of it. I think, and, and you may start your prayer time like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. I mean, maybe you start your prayer time with praise. I, I remember praying in Mexico and in other times with other brothers and sisters. And, and they would just start, we'd say, let's pray. And then everybody would just start, oh, bless you, Father. Glory, hallelujah, you know, in, in different languages and stuff. And, and then we'd go into to prayer. You could do it however you want, but I think letting go and adoration and worship is part of, whoops, is part of my slide. And then I think it's good to chew on scripture, to meditate on scripture, to let it go around and around in your heart. And maybe what you had read earlier, you bring back to your memory. Maybe you wrote it down on a card. Maybe the Lord, the Holy Spirit reminds you of something. The passage that we're looking at, you may go like, Lord, I pray that when I open my mouth, that you would give me boldness to proclaim your gospel, Lord, to expound this mystery of who you are to others. And then if I'm chewing on this, I may go, oh, Lord, also for Betty, right, for Ken. Like I pray for my brothers and sisters that you bring to mind that they would have boldness to open their lips to tell others about who you are. And maybe missionaries come to mind. Do you see that? So as you're praying and meditating on scripture, it like becomes part of you. And what it's about becomes something that that you do, right? Or maybe you're thinking about Colossians 
and you're meditating, and it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, set your, uh, uh, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And your mind, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, Lord, I'm lifted to being right before the throne of God in my mind and even in my imagination. I'm thinking about you, Jesus, at the right hand of the Father and set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ, which is kind of a funny thing because I see you, but it says that you're hidden with Christ. And, and I think part of what that means is, is you have something inside of you that right now you kind of look like an acorn, but someday you're going to look like an oak tree. I don't know exactly what that oak tree looks like, but if you believe in Jesus and you have the seed of the Spirit of God inside of you, you will be like Christ someday. You, there's something hidden about you that we don't see, but when that's planted in the ground, it's going to come up something beautiful. Your life is now hidden with God in Christ Jesus and when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Or I read this at the board meeting, and I started chewing on it because it says, but God, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I'm chewing on this scripture and I think to myself, huh, God is so rich in mercy. I wonder if anybody would go, you know, Doug, rich in mercy. <laughs> right, you laugh because it's hilarious, right? And, and could they describe you with that, right? Like we bear the name of Christ. Could someone describe you as rich in mercy? Yeah, God, rich in mercy, because the more I drink of the riches and the mercy of the grace of God, the more you drink, the more, like this happens as you chew and meditate on scripture. Oh Lord, I'm not merciful, but you're so merciful to me, and the more I get your mercy, the more I'll pass that on to others. And then some people will talk to me about spiritual battles and spiritual wars, and then I think to myself, wait, the Bible says that you're seated with him in Christ. Gosh, if you're in Jesus, he's going to protect you. He's going to hold on to you. He's going to care for you. Know your position in Christ. You may be seated here, but you're also somehow connected to Jesus as he's seated in the heavenly realms. Or, or this week I was reading in uh, Ecclesiastes and it says this, a man can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in his work. Happy Father's Day, guys, <laughs> right? Isn't that what Father's Day is about? He goes, I see this is from the hand of God, for without him, who can find enjoyment? Is that, like, if you're happy, if you're pleased, if you're finding contentment in what you do and the people you're with, that's a gift from God. It truly is a gift from God. And I got a text from somebody who revealed to me that they have terminal cancer and they were so positive because they're like, you know what? I got today. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.